Hey gang, it's Harold. I'm podcasting to you from the bunker. In the interest of distracting myself and my gaming friends, I'm reaching out to some interesting people to ask them what they're doing game-wise. With such a big time dividend, I want to hear what they're playing, designing, and thinking about. No CNN, no CNBC, just games. My production obsession will have to be put on hold as I'm most interested in communicating with you rapidly and with some interesting content. This podcast documents a discussion I had with Alexander and Grant of the Players Aid. Hello. Alexander, how are you? I am doing very well, thank you very much. I also put a call into Grant, unless he's there with you. He is not here with me, no. He gave me his Skype ID and I called him so he's uh i think he's ringing as we speak we'll see how are you doing i'm doing very well as well as one can do yes uh what's uh what's on the table uh right now i have uh bar lev by compass games Mm -hmm. it's uh arab israeli war it's a big it's like a two mapper part of the deluxe third edition but like one map is the suez and then the other map is golan heights so they don't actually adjoin necessarily so i've got the suez map out learning that one hey grant came on hey there he is hey grant what's going on buddy oh just living the dream (laughs) no haircut no beard trims nothing you got uh, video on just to show off that monster beard. What is that? Yeah, I do. I, I don't know. It's out of control. Here, let me let me turn off my video so you don't have to. There we go. <laughs> well, let me let me give you a reason to turn it off. That is that it 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 uh, maintains additional bandwidth for that lovely voice of yours. Right, right. <laughs> sure. We'll just use that as an excuse. But I got to tell you, that's quite the beard. Yeah, it's it's gotten out of control for sure. <laughs> I really have not trimmed it a whole lot. I've been working from home and, you know, it is what it is. It's just easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just easy. How about you, Alexander? Are you growing a beard? Uh, not anything particularly like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... I probably couldn't even if I tried. That's its own category, whatever that is. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time. It's going to be kind of fun interviewing yeah. the interviewers. You know, a few ground rules, if you don't mind. Sure. Pretty simple. You've heard them. So we can't talk about uh, medical conditions. Can't talk about politics. And and then uh, can't talk about uh, the state of the economy. Uh, all of those important issues, but subjects for somebody else's podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'll have anything to talk about then, Harold. Thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> well, well mission anyone, accomplished. Anyone that follows us on Twitch or on YouTube knows we generally try to stay away from that as much as possible anyway. Right. We're about war games. Let's play them and have fun. There you go. <laughs> Very funny. So I was asking Alexander what he had on the table, and he was talking about bar levels on the table. Uh, mm-hmm. Grant, do you, do you two put the same thing on the table at the same time, or do you have independent no. brains? 
we we play different games. The, the main problem is is we don't have enough funds to really buy two monster games like that. Sure. Yeah. So, so we have different stuff. I have a couple of small games on the table right now. Don't tread on me from White Dog Games. I have Long Cruel Woman from uh, High Flying Dice Games, and then I have a couple of boxes piled up. War of the Worlds from Dan Verson Games. So. I'm trying some small format games this weekend. That's cool. And do you put multiple games up on the table at the same time, Grant? Yeah, I have two set up right now. So I kind of go back and forth between them. It keeps me on my toes, makes it interesting. <laughs> well, you can wait for the other person to move, even though you're playing solo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let the other chap think of his strategy for a while. <laughs> So you mentioned that uh, you don't have funds. Well, I, I know better. And I think one of the cool things that you guys have going for you is that as your brother-in-laws, right? Yes. Yeah. Brothers-in-law, I think is the right way to say that. Indeed so, it is. So to have such a close relationship that's such a good friend and plays exactly the same games you like to play, what a great way to kind of share the inventory and the cost and just really blow this thing out. Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice that we, and it's one of those things that was unplanned, obviously, and mm. and I remember when I found out they were getting married, and I had never met him, but he was very, he was filled with braggadocio about how good he was at a particular game called Axis and Allies. You might have played it, Harold. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this was from across the pond. So there was a lot of pounding of chests and, you know, a lot of uh, braggadocio. And, and finally, when he came over, we sat down and played. We played for about three or four hours. And, man, we had a good time. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then from there, we just once he moved here. When did you move here, Alexander, in 2012? Yeah, it, was, it was the very end of 2011. OK. So, yeah, once he came, we just it exploded and we started playing everything. So it's been a, it's been a real blessing for sure. That that's, that's absolutely a, a truth. And it's, it's been interesting because the journey of games we've kind of experienced together because we played Axis and Allies the first time ever. And then after that, we played a lot of different Euro style games and dudes on a map, uh, just kind of more mainstream stuff. And then, and then it just, yeah, you know, we fell down a rabbit hole pretty quickly when we started playing Twilight Struggle, Wilderness War, Liberty or Death, and it went from there. And how long after that first moment of playing Axis and Allies together did you start documenting your play mm. experience? It took us five years, I think. Yeah, almost five years. Yeah. 20, 2012 to about April of 2016, so whatever that is. Four, four and a half years. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know that we ever went into this thinking we would do this all the time. No. I think we, we did it just as a way to have a little extra fun and make some new friends online and share some things. I don't we never imagined it would it would get to this point where we're we're literally playing games every week and writing about them and doing videos. So it, it really has grown. So you didn't do it for the promotional value of that big Nike contract? <laughs> yeah, we still have not seen that Nike money. So, <laughs> yeah. 
I think we picked the wrong hobby to get. It's called a niche hobby for a reason. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that is not why we. <laughs> not the reason we did it. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's great, and and I've watched you grow through, you know, roughly the. I don't know. I guess I've been back in the hobby five years or so and, and watch you guys grow. I remember when I started Liberty or Death, Grant, you sent me a list of questions Yeah, uh, as an interview, which was very kind and maybe the first person that was ever interested in what I had to say about Liberty or Death as it was coming out. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate it. And, and uh, the other thing I remember about it was it was a bunch of questions that, um, you know, it's just, it's so hard to interview somebody by list of yeah. questions, right? Because things take a direction. And, and so I answered probably 15 of your 20 questions eventually. And, <laughs> and, and then the five I didn't answer, I just didn't say anything. And, and so I remember the return email was, why didn't you answer all 20? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. You, you actually, I think, were the first person I sent questions to and... <laughs> I had no idea what to ask. I asked some pretty interesting questions and you had some very interesting responses too. And I think from that point, I've got kind of a formula down where I ask certain questions and try to stick to the basics. But yeah, if I could do interviews online like you're doing, it would be much better, but requires a little more work and software and that kind of thing. So but I, I remember that interview. I, it was fun. I remember doing that with you. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Well, I, thank you for your interest. And, and like I said, it was uh, it was fun for me. So so but but, to, to, you know, to, to be making this little game and and not really knowing how it's going to play out and then to have somebody interested in what you have to say is very is, is it was a great kindness. So I appreciate the Well, good. The interest. Um but your your interviews are great, and I read every one of them, and I think it's a great format and a nice way for you to, as you said, kind of um, leverage the fact that you don't you don't have to buy all the equipment and you don't have to edit stuff. Um, yeah. So so it's much appreciated, and I'm, I don't I don't say it as a criticism. I I appreciate what you guys do in that regard. Yeah. The other nice thing, Grant, is with that with that beard, you you don't need to be doing video interviews. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> but the voice is great. So if you're going to leave the beard, uh, the, the audio interviews are always an option. <laughs> what do they always say? I don't have a face for TV, but a voice for radio. Maybe. <laughs> That's great. As you think back about what you all have done and, and, and what it's grown into, are, are there any other great memories that you share about the time or the people that you've interacted with over that time? A lot. I mean, it, so doing what we do has afforded us opportunities to go to conventions and just to meet a lot of people both in the industry and people who have read and commented on our stuff. And it's rare these days that you meet people who you've interacted with online, I feel. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you get to put faces to names, which is always nice. But also, you know, like, for example, there's a gentleman uh, called John C. And he's very active on YouTube with us. And we've talked to him a lot. We were able to meet him at WBC last year. It's kind of like you meet the real person behind all, all this conversation you've had. And it's just, I don't know, there's something 
that it's that extra step of making like a real human connection. It, it's very gratifying and you've got a lot in common with the kind of hobbies that you have. And it's, it's a really, really neat experience. Well, and John's from the Philippines. So, you know, we don't, we aren't men of, men of the airlines where we're traveling across the, uh, the globe yeah. to meet a guy like that in Western, what is it? Western Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania yeah. is just kind of, kind of crazy. Very crazy. And then, you know, along the same, Alexander, do you want to tell that story about the Ranger gentleman? I, I thought that was a great, one I, of our I great highlights. I believe his name was Mike. Um, so I did a I did a review of the solitaire game that's called Ranger by Omega Games. It's kind of an older game. Very unique, very cool game. Um, and I, I, I put up a review of it, you know, years ago. Um, and... It was it was it was just last year at WBC. Yeah. Um, we were sat, I we sat down playing a game or waiting or something, and he this this gentleman comes up to us, and he was like, "Hey, uh, big fan of of what you do." And he's like, "I saw your um, review of Ranger and how much you liked it." <laughs> and one of the things I talked about in that video is how bad I was at that game because I don't have a military background. This game is uh, very in-depth with how you plan out your platoon's tactical movements and how you actually execute a mission. And if you have a military knowledge and have done those kind of military exercises, you'll be much better at this game. Uh, so I was just like, wait, I have no idea what I was doing in that game. Uh, and so I'd, I'd commented like, you know, if you've got a military background, you'll be better at this game. And he was like, look, I've no interest in Ranger whatsoever because I've been there and I've done that and I've lived it. He was like, but here's my Ranger's field handbook. Uh, and, and he gave us a couple of, um, I don't know what you call those, but like the, the badges that you sew in on, the, on like his Ranger patches and things. He had some spare ones of those. But he gave me this old Ranger field handbook that was, um, it was had been stored in an old cleaned out MRE packet. So I've got that upstairs, probably to place on a bookshelf. But it's, you know, in that it, it's, it's field tactics. And it has diagrams of, you know, how to set up this kind of an ambush or this kind of a, of a kind of recce position. You know, how, how they would navigate this kind of thing. And I'm reading that and then playing the game Ranger. But it was such a sincere moment in my life that, you know, I appreciated, uh, you know, what was being offered there. It was... It, and it's moments like that that you know that it's a huge kind of reward kind of thing for what we do almost. Yes, and and it's uh, he in effect gave you the rule book or the rest of the rule book, right? If, effectively, yeah, with the cheat codes. <laughs> cheat. I'm humbled all the time by uh, those who have served and uh, their association with the hobby, and uh, and their modesty, and um, and and of course you know their. Their, their willingness to share with those of us that, that have no experience. Um, it's, it's one of the great aspects of this hobby is, is just the depth of people that have actually served and, and can really put some of the silly stuff that we do uh, and talk about in perspective, right, in real-world perspective. Yeah, there's been a few moments of people that we've met where, you know, you might be one minute you're having a laugh and discussing some game design, and then it could very quickly switch to a very poignant moment as, as you know, experiences come up and things like that. And I've never served. I'm an army brat, so my dad did. But, 
you know, I, there's a there's a there's a brotherhood, there's a collective there for service people that I'll never be a part of in that way. But you you can catch glimpses of of some of these things that people have experienced, and it's it, it is it's very humbling, and to have those kind of people in our hobby is a great blessing to us. I think you 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 play so many games, and and you do you feel the tyranny of a schedule that you have to create content on a certain schedule and uh, and production? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective there is a little bit of that. It's always kind of over your head, um, you know, vacations or holidays. It's, it's always something you're thinking of thinking about that. Oh, I need to make sure I have a couple of posts up or a couple of videos up. We do try to work ahead, but that, uh, that doesn't happen often. There was a sweet time, Alexander, early in the year where we had, I think we had like 20 videos and we hadn't posted them. And now we're down to kind of the, the bottom of the barrel see i've still got a lot the you videos lot. <laughs> yeah it's it's weird there was a long time where it was kind of like oh we need to make another video oh we need to make another video and then it was this year uh we went to all the well last year i suppose 2019 we went to like three or four conventions all in mm -hmm. quick succession and with all the interviews and other videos we did through those basically that gave us a huge backlog and a buffer so <laughs> so and we're still kind of working with that now, six, seven months later. Uh, but there, there'll always be, you know, it's more, 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 especially if you want to, you know, keep up views and stay relevant with regards to things like YouTube's algorithms and things like that. Well, that's also interesting. We'll get, I get messages all the time. I know you do too, Alexander, of people saying, hey, when are you going to play this game? And <laughs> yes. when's the review going to be up? And so I, I think you use the word tyranny, Harold. I, I think it's more of an obligation or a, you know, a commitment to those people that follow us that we're trying to give them an informed, our informed opinion about those games. So I, I think that drives us a little bit. We regularly game short of the current conditions. I mean, we pretty much every weekend, Alexander, we spend four yeah. to six hours, maybe eight hours playing. So we'll it, at least once a week. Yeah. So we're, we're able to play one game at least. Sometimes we can get two in there. And then recently we've played a lot of solitaire stuff. So it, yeah. it makes it a lot easier to do a quick video and a quick write-up to keep people kind of connected to what's coming up and what's new. So I, I, I kind of like it, but also it does, it, it does wear on you a little bit. You got to just stay on top of it. Yeah, and it's something we talked about earlier in the year was, hey, let's just take some time just for us. Like, because we're constantly playing new games that are coming mm -hmm. out as well. And so it's a, it's a rule book a week at least. And that's a lot. Um, and so we talked about, hey, let's just go and revisit some games that we love. Let's just all play some games that we should have played, but we haven't yet. And, yeah. and it's, you know, let's just sit down and play the Labyrinth. Who cares? We'll just make it, you know, we'll just play a game and enjoy ourselves. Sometimes you don't have to put out all this extra content. So, you know, we talked about doing that kind of thing. Well, and, and I remember when we first started, it was, you know, we had five, six, seven games. I think we played Combat Commander about 25 times within six months. Yeah. And I, I miss those days. I miss, once again, being able to to really dive into a game and play it three, four, five times 
you know, your game, Harold, Liberty or Death, that was probably my second GMT game that I purchased. And Alexander and I played it half a dozen times. And then I played it probably a dozen different times solo. So yeah, I, you know, it used to be a little bit more for us. Now it's for other people. And I still enjoy doing that, but it, it is what it is. And yeah. you're the <laughs> We do get the requests are pretty funny though. People yeah. all the time. Oh, hey, have you looked at this? And they're like, you know, it's like a two hundred dollar OCS game. They're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like I don't have the time, space, and money for some of these things. Like it's just we put out so much, but people always want more, more, more. Right. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I think that's I think that's okay, right? I mean, I think that that everybody has their specific interests. And, yeah. And and when your interests, right, when when the when the when the stars in the industry, Grant and Alexander, show an interest in uh, what specific game you're playing, it's very exciting and and at least as exciting as it can be in the context of this hobby. So I can see I can see people doing that. And, and, and um, you know, I, I get that interest in podcasts every now and then I'll get some someone that would like to be would like me to interview someone else. And it's actually, you know, they're actually great ideas. Um, it's yeah. just that for me, it's the issue of time and, and uh, I, well, like everybody, right? How much do we have time for? And then, and then the production process, you know, for these little podcasts, I've simplified the production process so that I can get them out straight away. But it's, uh, you know, before that, my long form podcast, the production process was, was crazy. And, um, and originally it was part of the fun, but, but it becomes part of the tyranny. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, so, you know, it, I'm not, not a complaint. I I'm excited that anybody listens to my little podcast. That's, that's an exciting thing to me. So. Right. Um, what's, what's nice is once you start building up a decently sized body of work, some of those requests, you're like, Oh, I've already done that. Here's a link. Yeah. So, that's right. So you, you can get out of some of them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I had somebody recently say, uh, you know, your most recent interview with Mark Herman, you didn't ask him anything about his history. So I referred him to the four other times I've interviewed Mark Herman. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Mark, Mark's, uh, Mark, Mark has an incredible history, and it's certainly worth listening to. So how close do you guys live to each other? We live about a 30-minute drive. We used to live in the same town on the west side of indianapolis for about what a 10 minute drive that was glorious and, and you know it's funny alexander we talk about this often but when we lived 10 minutes away i'm not sure we took as much advantage of that as we probably should have and yeah part of that was me as well because at, the, at that time i was a full-time student and i was working yeah. full-time at nights so my schedule was crazy but it was any free time like friday afternoons we'd squeeze in a game and then i'd go to work and then in the Saturday, Kelly would go to work. So I'd be at home with the kids and he'd come over and we'd game again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we live about 30 minutes away. And I, I, at least once a week, we get together. We try to at least. And then recently we started, we played our first Vassal game together. When was that, Alexander? Last Thursday? Yeah, it was last week. Maybe it was a week ago. I think we played SPQR. It took about three hours for that introductory scenario. A lot of it was just Alexander showing me how to do it and i'm not as computer literate as as he is obviously but i think now that we've broken into that i hope we can play a little bit more yeah and and it's you know i've i've been doing a bunch of the 
vassal exchange log play by email type games as well with other people so i've actually found a lot that i've been able to do recently where we can't get together like games are still being played so there's still a lot of stuff to, to be done as well right yeah vassals uh vassals great and you the more you play it the more you discover ways to enhance your life with vassal right it's uh maybe it's play a bigger game and and uh and play mm-hmm. it a little bit at a time even by yourself and um you know all those all those sorts of things or play the first turn of a game a hundred times yeah <laughs> I don't know if anybody's crazy like me and likes to do that, but that's you know that's another opportunity that you have that's uh, that's pretty cool and and Vassal allows all that. We, you know, you're talking about playing back to uh, um, play by email. Fundamentally, I have a yep. friend here. Uh, well, me and a, me and a handful of guys here have, have really jumped into Red Storm, and mm-hmm. um, you know we're probably three scenarios in, and and I've probably played six or eight games of it, which is a real pleasure. I in the with the cult of the new that we were talking about, I love just being able to play a game in depth. But one of the guys has been playing something by uh, Vassal by email, and he said that you know one of one of the issues he faces is just the whole idea of the, the time cycle. That um, you know he he it has a busy schedule, and based on how he prioritizes it, he does a move every week or two, and he'll and and you know. Red Storm is a chit pull game, and you move, you know, anywhere from one to four or five flight counters at a time. So the moves actually can be very small and happen very quickly, depending on what's going on in the game. And so he said he'll send he'll send it uh, uh, after pondering his move or, or waiting to take it for a couple of weeks, and his part his his playing partner will turn around and send it back to him within the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that would be. Uh, I'm sure for me that would be a little frustrating because I, I would prefer to prefer to play the game face to face or on live Vassal. But yeah, that that's the great thing about Vassal, and I, I I appreciate all the people that put time and effort into that. I see Joel Toppin doing modules all the time, and I can't even imagine not knowing how it's done. Can't even imagine all the hours that are spent on that. But it's it's very appreciated. Yeah, it's the the thing with the turnaround time on Vassal that I've experienced is is if if you've got a game that's taken a long time, you just start another game with someone else. <laughs> so I've got like two or three games going on, some of them slower, some of them very immediate. You know, that's that's what's nice about it is, and if you've got the logs, you're not forgetting what's happened. It it, it can be it can be done. I I enjoy what I've experienced of it so far. Yeah, I struggle with uh, just remembering. Uh, the rules <laughs> to uh, yeah you know to the to the more complex games that are really the ones that I love to play you know the the rules burdens is heavy and then my memory for those rules has just gone out the window and uh, maybe it's my advanced age but um, yeah I, I I I struggle with that now I play uh, tons of um, in effect played by email but turn based Twilight Struggle on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And and that's you know that's just been wonderful and a great setup and and I'm sure Labby will be the same, uh, but that's that's been great to just be able to play at whatever yeah. pace and some people keep up and move very quickly and and every now and then I'll get on the phone with a friend and he'll say hey let's just knock this out this evening and so we'll just sit there with our iPads in front of each other and and, and play it very quickly but 
you know, that's that does the same thing. And the nice thing about the iOS uh, applications is that they uh, is they enforce the rules, which helps me a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible with rules. Ask Alexander. <laughs> He's not that bad. <laughs> I like to interpret I, I like to interpret rules to my to my favor in my favor. So, you know. That that's funny. That's you know, I've been going through trying to create a personality profile for for war gamers. And I'm, it's going to be in the next C3I and you know, that's one of the things that I love about Wargamers are those little quirks, and I'm trying to see if they're if it's possible to turn them into uh, characteristics. And some of them are, and some of them aren't. Right? For example, just mm -hmm. the I, I have a friend here that has that that lives to win, and and so he doesn't necessarily say that he doesn't wear it on its on his sleeve. But when he plays, that's that's you know he just plays to win. And then there are other, and, and the other quirk is. Um, you know, what you were talking about, Grant, which is the interpretation of the rules based on the situation, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this guy does that too. He, um, when, when he, he, he spends a lot of time with the rules trying to interpret them to benefit his situation as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to determine, right? I mean, the, the idea of a good yeah. rule book is that people from different perspectives can read it and come to the same conclusion. Yeah. Um, so, so if we ever play with a bad rule book, we're in trouble when he starts down that path. <laughs> and the other, you know, the, that's funny. The other quirk I was going to kind of ask you guys about that I've been looking into is this quirk where um, uh, just the, the rules enforcement. For example, some people will play a game and get three turns in and realize they've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And then they'll feel like they have to start over again. Um and I don't like missing rules, but but I've never enforced it to that level, right? I'm I'm happy to I'm I'm actually happy to make it make a make a call if I don't want to spend the time in the rule book. Um, how do, do you guys have that quirk where you uh, where you ha where you ruined the game if you played something wrong? Uh, yeah, all the time. Uh, so this happens partly because we play a lot of games. Uh, so sometimes I'm rushing through a rule book and we might miss something. Uh, like an exception, like an exception. Yeah, or, or just like something that should have been obvious and I was just a moron. That also happens. But, but those are some of the funniest stories. I, I will mm -hmm. never forget, we played, uh, we played Dunkirk by Worthington for the first time a few years ago. And we set it up and Grant, st <laughs> Grant starts playing and he's like, this is weird. This doesn't feel right. Things aren't going how they used how they should do, right? And then we looked back at the setup and we'd switched. I don't even remember. It was like the first, the first and second Panzer armies yeah. were in the wrong setup locations. They were flipped. So, so, so the entire geography of the of the campaign was like reversed of, of how it should be with how the activations work in that. So it was like, all right, we noticed about two turns in, so we just like set it up again and like just we just forget that that happened. Yeah. And then a similar thing happened in Andy and Abyss, which is one of my favorite stories, because so <laughs> it was there's kind of a weird misprint in the player aid for setup, the way that it talks about um, if you're playing a two-player game, who gets what factions, and effectively we ended up having I think it, I think it's the FARC and the government. No, that's not true. Either way, it's the red and the blue. <laughs> we had them on the same team. Yeah. Uh, and then the yellow and the green on an opposite team. And that made the game supremely imbalanced. And because I didn't know the I didn't know the like the core history at the time, I didn't know that those should be opposing sides. 
And so, like, every event, I'm like, this yeah, is this amazing is... for me. Yeah. Oh, this one's amazing for me. Yeah. Oh, this one's amazing for me. Because we, <laughs> we had counterinsurgents and insurgents on the same team because the, there was a there was a kind of a weird misprint in how, how it tells you to yeah. do it. <laughs> and I kind of read it wrong. <laughs> so so well, we kind I... of... Like the whole game, I was like, this is whack. This isn't right. Yeah. And then we figured it out and played again. I was like, okay, great. This is much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think one other one other example that sticks out in my mind from one of our favorite games from, I think, 2017, Holland 44. Excellent. You know, it's such, such an amazing game. I was the Allies. And in the north around Nijmegen Bridge, you know, the the real key is for the British to beat the Germans to the bridgehead and there's an exception in the rules for the Germans that during the first turn I think it's they can only use their strategic movement which is like half of what their normal movement is yeah they can do spaces or something and I remember I was blitzing to the bridgehead and I got like the first three or four hexes but there's no way I can go any further and then all of a sudden Alexander's turn comes up and he like moves his whole Panzer army in there. And I'm like, huh. Well, and, and, and it was the British powers have that weird infiltrate rule where they can right. kind of slip through the forest without getting Move through a zone of control. Yeah. So he's moving very regularly, which is super inefficient. But it's this little exception in like one paragraph kind of at the beginning. Like, we missed it. So. <laughs> it ended up being a disaster. <laughs> but I, I think that one, we ended up playing it out because yeah, I don't think we out. realized it for another two or three turns. And I wasn't about to go back. I was already losing. So I'm like, I'm not going to go back. We had a great time with that game. Still one of my favorite games of all time. And it's a very fun game. Rules can be very difficult sometimes because if, you you even mentioned it, Harold. If a rule book isn't well written, it really can be interpreted in fourteen thousand different ways. When I think the goal is really you should come to a to an agreement. So rules are so very important. I have some good stories also about rule books that we would have preferred to burn in the fire uh, rather than read. But I won't mention any specifics on that one for sure. There's also there's nothing like opening a game and there's a day one sheet of letter-headed errata, you're like, oh. it's always a little bit disheartening at times. Yes. Yeah, and I, you know, I spend a lot of time on, with new games on BGG trying to figure out what the, what, yeah. the, what the real errata is, right? Not just what's been shared. And if you're, and if you've, you know, if you've p 500 it or pre-ordered it, you're the first one to get it. Like, oh, there's no answers. I could ask all the questions. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or make the calls, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's our, our relationship as a hobby. Our relationship with the rules is very interesting to me. I, I'm I'm intrigued. Um, you know, sometimes the, the, the people criticize rules for being bad, but but there are two extremes in rules, right? One is the rules that are written like a like a spec manual, right? And 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 this is kind of Volko's work on in in the coin series, right? The, those rules are crisp. And I think if you if you if you follow through them with some discipline, you'll find they're extraordinarily clear. Uh, that that's my view, and of course I'm biased. On the other hand, if you want to learn to play by reading those rules, it's really hard. And so but the at other least, extreme, at least they give you like the playbook, which tells you that kind of stuff separately. That's that's right. And so the other extreme are a set of rules 
that lead you through a series of examples and teach you a little at a time, but those aren't as clear as a reference guide, right? And, yeah. and those are that's where that's where I find that I have rules problems, but I love reading those rules. I think about um, the the conflict of heroes, the new the new rules for Move and Academy. Those are those are great fun to read, and it's almost reading them is almost like playing the game. <clears throat> yes, but but regardless of what style of rulebook you have, it has to be well executed, and I think that's you know people trip up. You can write an incredibly dry point-by-point -point instruction manual and it still be bad uh, yeah. because it might be poorly organized or it's still not clear within the bullet points. And then, or you could, you know, you can get the narrative style rules, which are just too vague and you actually can't glean what you are and aren't allowed to do. I recently, go ahead. Well, I, I recently played uh, Navajo Wars, the second edition uh, printing and Joel Toppin, I think between the first and the second edition, went back and did kind of a, a different style of rule book. He made some changes to the way it was organized, laid out, and even put in some examples throughout it and then had a full playthrough. And I, I'm more comfortable with that game after one look at the rule book than I think I've ever been with any other game we've played. So I know good rule books can be done. It just it just takes a lot of time. And I think sometimes it takes a, a second try at it, a second stab at it. But I, I do not envy anyone that writes rule books, period. I think it would be a very difficult job. It is. And and everybody writes their own, right? So there's and, and yeah. there are some, some exceptions to that. So that means we end up with a tremendous variety of styles. But I think, you know, the thing about Joel Toppin's stuff is that his stuff is clear because the game mechanisms are clear and intuitive and uh, elegant. And and I think that that gives, you know, that makes it, and he's a good rule writer. So those two things together are great. Yeah. Rules that are, are um, you know, this, this terrible habit we've gotten into with the, uh, you know, kind of the legal case numbered and lettered rules. Uh, does does a disservice, I think, to to the hobby, and and um, you know, it, it's nice when we're both looking at the rule book, and I need to refer you to fifteen point two four. But it but it doesn't do much for reading and learning, and um, yeah. So I think there's there's a great deal of innovation available there. The game has to be elegant and and you know limited exceptions, right, or no exceptions, and you know I find that in Red Storm. I love this game, and I it, and by its nature, it's fiddly, right? That's what we so we're that's what we're here to do is to fiddle with the with the pieces because of all the detail. At the same time, there's a handful of rules that just like why I don't I don't really understand why that's necessary, and all it does is make my life more complicated as I'm playing the game, and the benefit is 0.1 percent. Yeah. yeah. And and so you know th th those are the those are the little things that make me crazy. I think there's going to be a lot of innovation, and unfortunately, you know, <laughs> we we innovate so slowly in our hobby. We have to watch the other board gamers, right? The Euro gamers, you know, mm -hmm. they maybe copy what they do, but uh, you know, teaching via video, um, you know, audio recordings of rules. Uh, when I get to South China Sea, I'm going to create an audio recording of the rules. So if somebody wants to sit mm -hmm. and listen, uh, and and listen through the rules, and and frankly, it's not a lot of rules, but somebody wants to sit and listen to them while they're driving to work or something, they can. And when they get home, they can play the game. 
I just I think there's just tons of opportunity for innovation there. And I will say that our our relationship with rules I think is very different from a lot of people's, just based on the volume of games that we try to consume. So for me personally, what I look for in a rule book is like digestibility. I want it to be quick, I want it to be concise, and I want to understand everything that I need to. Whereas, you know, people who don't have the the volume of games that we go through are more happy to sit through and, you know, pour over something and kind of really get to grips with it, M might care a lot less the, about how it's laid out in the way that I do, for example. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let me let me close with one last question for you both. And that is, if you didn't have an online presence and you didn't have an obligation to uh, to produce content, right? What game would you put on the table right now? Grant? I think we're probably thinking of the same game, but I'll let you say it first. Uh, unconditional Surrender. That's not what I thought you would say. Okay. I will, I will always play that. What did you say? I thought you were going to say Empire of the Sun. Oh, that too. That's also very good. Yeah. But USC is a good one. Yeah, it's just, it's it's very long. It's very big. It's one of the best games of all time, but I would it just, and Grant's never played it, so I would love to sit yeah. down and teach him that one. Well, that's good. That's a good spot to end. I appreciate you guys taking the time. It was good to talk to you. I my fantasy was that you'd be in the same room. That's I, I visualize you guys maybe having bunk beds and and, uh, and a two-sided desk. A war game bunker? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, great talking to you. Stay safe and healthy, and, um, and, and we look forward to more fantastic content. Thank you very much, Harold. Yeah, thanks, Harold. We appreciate it.